Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. We love you. Hey, uh, moms go by a lot of different names. Uh, you know, when babies are first born, they can't, like, enunciate their, their letters and syllables. Why are y'all crying? <laughs> I just started. It's not, the sermon's not that good yet, okay? Pull it together, moms. Um, they can't pronounce the words, so they say oftentimes the first word is mama. Uh, my daughter's first word was dada. <laughs> That's fine, though. Um, then when they learn how to pronounce words, they say mommy. Uh, but then they get to an age where it's not cool to say mommy in front of all their friends, and so they just kind of cut it down to mom, which kind of got me thinking, what, what, do, what do moms uh, get called all the way around the world? We know what our culture calls moms, but like, what about in other countries? Uh, what, what, are, what are moms called? Uh, in Japan, uh, moms, now my, my Japanese is rusty, so I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but th- it's spelled haha. That's what they called our moms in Japan. So it's happy haha day in, in Japan right now. Uh, in Norway, they call moms more, which makes sense because like, that's the word we say, moms. I want more, more to eat, more whatever. Um, in uh, Brazil, they're called May. So your mom is May and your girlfriend is Bay. Uh, in the UK, <laughs> in the UK, it's mum. Uh, mum or mumsy is what they call them over there. In Germany, it's mutter. That's weird. Uh, in, in Spanish, it's madre. Uh, Italian, uh, people in Italy say mamma mia, which is my mom. And uh, so that's cool. Uh, in Australia, moms are called Sheila. So if your name is Sheila and you're a mom, you're Sheila Sheila, which is interesting, I guess. Uh, some common nicknames, big mama, baby mama, soccer mom. If you got a cranky mom, you can be called momzilla. Uh, tough moms are tough mothers. Um, in the business world, you know, it's, it's kind of like the business world. We got some tough mothers over here. In the business world, we kind of borrow language uh, in, for every area of life. And so... Um, that you can be called a household CEO or a, a domestic engineer. That's a talented, cool word. Uh, birth giver, kind of straight to the point. Um, you know, if your mom's, it, like, if you love your mom, but your mom's like, you know, she's got a little bit of, little bit of hood in her, right? A little bit of gangster. You can say momster. That's cool. Uh, if you got a strict mom, she may be nicknamed the law, uh, protector of the progeny. Whatever you call your mom, you need to call her today uh, because it is, uh, it is Mother's Day and uh, all about moms, uh, we have these little sheets of paper that they fill out in preschool. We got one this week. It's an all about mom sheet. I don't know if you've got one of these, but your kids answer certain questions about their mother. And uh, it's always funny because they're either 100% wrong or just 100% hilarious, like the answers you get. Lydia, our four-year-old, filled one out about Elizabeth, and um, she said, how old is your mom? She's eight years old. Um, what is her favorite food? Broccoli. What does she do for fun? Cooks and cleans. <laughs> ah, man, right? It's fun. Very fun. Depending on who fills the sheet out, you're going to get different answers, like different perspectives from kids or maybe your husband or, or even if the mom figured it out, coming at a different angle. But let me ask you this. What if Jesus filled out one of those cards for you? What if Jesus answered all those questions? What if there were one or two words, some characteristics, something that would describe you? What do you think Jesus would say? 
Maybe you know what your kids say or, or what they have said in the past or what they say now, but what, what about God? What would God say about you? How would he fill in those different blanks? What characteristics and, and what traits? If Jesus got to hang out with you this afternoon, he would leave your house and he's walking with his disciples, what would he say? He's like, man, that woman was blank. What would he say? We actually have a story in Matthew chapter 15 where Jesus gets to hang out with a mom. He hangs out with her for a very short period of time, but he answers that question in just eight verses, a little bit of interaction. Jesus closes out the story with, that mom is blank. And it's an incredible, incredible word, insightful, one that Jesus does not use very often. But what would he say if Jesus were filling in those blanks? Let me catch up in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus, early on, is in the temple. He's hanging out with the religious people. You've hung out with the religious people before. You can only take so much of them. Jesus was like, I'm done. i gotta, I got to cut back from you guys. He goes outside of Jerusalem, goes into the country town, n- not where religious people hang out. So he's taking a break in, in Matthew chapter 15 verse 21 here's where we pick up the story Uh, leaving that place the place the church with the religious people in it Jesus withdrew through the to the region of Tyre and Sidon a Canaanite woman from that area came to him crying out Lord son of David have mercy on me my daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly my daughter is demon possessed now if you're not a mom in here that's kind of weird right you think what does that mean but if you got kids you know exactly what that woman is talking about right i don't even try to pretend like they're in times where you've looked at your kid and you're like it very well could be possessed by a demon what is going on here if you don't have kids go to walmart on a saturday I made a huge mistake yesterday by going to Walmart on a Saturday, and I saw this woman with her kids in the soup aisle. This kid was losing his mind, like throwing soup cans, like dropping stuff out of the buggy, crying, whining. And here's what the, here's what the mom said. I, don't make me call your father. And I wanted to go over there and be like, you need to call the father like the priest. <laughs> that kid's got a demon in it. You need to get that thing out. All the father right now. But I didn't. I just uh, kind of gave her that and said, like, I feel your pain, girl. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're going through. But in this situation, like, we're laughing, but this is, a, this is a dire situation. This mom has tried everything. She's gone to doctors. She's read books. She's tried medicines. And nothing seems to be working. She's gone to church, and, and Scripture says that her daughter is suffering terribly. And so she hears that Jesus, she's heard the stories about Jesus. She knows what Jesus can do. He's done this in the past before. And so he, she comes to Jesus realizing that there's nowhere else to go. Did you know this is, a, this is a very vulnerable but a very incredible place that you can reach in your life. But if you can get to the point where you realize that what you need, what your heart's desire is, can only be found in Jesus, it's an incredible place. And this woman realizes, I've searched everywhere. And I'm still empty. I've, I've tried everything and nothing has happened. And she reaches a point in her life where she realizes the thing that she needs and desires the most can only be given to her by Jesus. And so she comes to him. She comes to him because she knows, she's heard, if anybody can do something for me, then Jesus can. Because he's loving, he's compassionate, he's powerful, right? I know he can change. I've, I've heard him do things like this before. 
And she knew that any, if anybody would help her, then Jesus would because he's loving, he's compassionate, he's all about other people, he wants to help when he can. So she comes in and tries to find Jesus. And in her time of crisis, listen, she takes a step towards Jesus. She puts her faith in action. She First thing that I want you to remember, moms, here today, man, re- remember this. Faith is not so much what you say, faith is in what you do. Okay, it, It's one thing to say, I have faith, I believe in Jesus, I think he can do things. It's another thing for your faith to be put into action and you start taking steps towards the only one that can give you what you desire. Like it's different, right? It's, it's one thing to say it. But faith is not words. Faith are words actually in action. And so this woman literally puts feet to her face. She walks, takes steps towards Jesus because he realizes she's the only thing. He's the only one that can help her. Not just saying, I believe, but exercising her faith. One thing that she does is, even in how she addresses him, she calls Jesus two names. She says, Lord and Son of David. Those, those two words are, are loaded. She doesn't come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, hey, miracle worker, hey, powerful guy, hey, person that can help me. She calls him very specific titles. One is Lord. Hey, I, re- I know who you are. It's not just a sign of respect. It's an understanding of who Jesus is, son of God, savior of the world. Hey, Lord, I know who you are. You're not just a, an average man. You're not just some preacher. You're not just some guy that can do some magic tricks and heal some people and do some miracles. I know who you are, Lord. Second is son of David. This is a throwback to the Old Testament because um, the, the, the people in the Old Testament were waiting for a new Savior to come. They were waiting for Jesus to show up. And one of the hints was that Jesus would come from the line of David. He would be in David's family tree. So by saying, I know you're the son of David, she's saying, you are the one that everyone has been waiting for. You are the one that all of those people were desiring to one day meet. I know who you are, Jesus. I know exactly who you are. She's making, in essence, like this profession of faith. Like, dude, you are not a normal guy, Jesus. I know that God sent you. I know exactly who you are. And then she says this, have mercy on me. She doesn't say have compassion. She doesn't say have grace. She says have mercy. Mercy is this. Here's the the qualifier between compassion, grace, and mercy. Mercy is receiving something that you don't deserve. There's no sense of entitlement with this woman. She does not come up to Jesus and say, you owe me. You should do something for me. Like, I, I, you need to listen to what I have said. I deserve this. No, no entitlement here. No demand from Jesus here. With humility, she starts the conversation by saying, I know who you are, and I know you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. I've never done anything for you, Jesus. God owes her nothing. And she admits that. She says, have mercy on me. There's no anger at God. There's no demanding her way with God. There's no entitlement. She starts out by humbling herself in front of the one that she knows is Lord, the one that she knows everyone has been waiting for. Here's an interesting aspect of this woman's story. This woman came to Jesus, but she didn't bring her daughter with her. You ever notice that? Like, she came to Jesus, but her daughter wasn't there. She wasn't asking for mercy for her daughter. She was asking her mercy for me. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us why her daughter didn't come. 
Maybe her daughter was too sick, she was in the bed. Maybe her daughter didn't want to come. Maybe the daughter didn't have the faith that the mother had. Maybe when the mother said, we need to come to Jesus, we need to turn towards him, he can help us. Maybe the daughter scoffed at the mom. Maybe the daughter said, well, your faith's not my faith. I don't believe in this man that you believe in. And maybe as a mom, that's your story. Maybe you're here and you believe and you have faith, but in all honesty, if you're thinking about it, your kids are far from God right now. They don't believe the same thing you do. They don't have the same faith that you do. But I want you to understand what this mom did. This mom came to Jesus on behalf of her kids. I don't care if my daughter comes or not. I'm going to Jesus on behalf of my daughter. She calls out to God. She says, God, protect her. God, help her. Maybe these are prayers you can pray for your kids. God, save them. Help them understand what their value is. Not in the world, but how much you care about them. Help them to know their worth in you, Jesus. Help them to turn towards you, to know you. Protect them from bad decisions, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Moms, I, I honestly believe this is one of the most powerful things you can do. One of your greatest responsibilities. I know that you want to help them spiritually. You're going to tell them what they need to eat, when they need to go to bed. They shouldn't play in the road. They have to do their homework. You're looking over every area of their life. But are you, are you passionate about their lives, their spiritual lives? Are you consistently going to God on behalf of your kids? Maybe your kids don't want to have anything to do with God. Maybe they're far away from God right now. That doesn't mean you can't come to God on their behalf. This woman's life was changed, not because her daughter asked for it, but because she came to Jesus on behalf of her family. I'm telling you, if you would be willing to come to Jesus on behalf of your family and friends, God can do something crazy. Stop waiting for them to get to Jesus and you get to Jesus on their behalf. You call, you pray, you plead, you get on your knees consistently and persistently in front of God, calling out. The mother was going to God on behalf of their daughter. I'm telling you, going to God on behalf of your family and friends can change their life. It's one of the most important things that a mother can do. When I I read the next part, the first part of verse 23, this next part, I had to read it two or three times. It blew my mind. This mother is pouring her heart out in front of Jesus. And here's Jesus. Scripture says she's suffering. Her daughter is suffering terribly. Here's what loving, compassionate Jesus does. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. What? Come on, Jesus. I thought, I thought you were loving. I thought you cared. I thought you were compassionate. This mother is bawling her eyes out, man. She came to you. Because she needed some help. There was nowhere else to go, man. She's, she's pouring her heart out after sleepless nights and maybe years of pain and frustration and no results. She finally gets to Jesus expecting love and compassion and, and help and care. I mean, come on, Jesus. She's desperate, man. She's desperate. I've entitled this message, Desperate Housewives. <laughs> she's desperate. There's nowhere else for her to go. She's begging on behalf of her daughter. And listen, man, she's not, listen to what she's asking for. She's not asking for a car. She's not saying, hey, God, give me a bigger house. She's not, hey, Jesus, I need some more money. She's got a sick daughter. Come on, man, this is not far-fetched. This is not a selfish prayer. 
come on, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing here? It says that Jesus was silent. Why is it that sometimes when we're in our point of desperation and greatest needs, we call out to God and God seems silent? And God doesn't answer. No matter how long we pray or how passionate we pray or how many tears we shed or how many sleepless nights we have, it seems like there is no answer or the answer is no or it seems like God doesn't care. And here's what I see in this text. I want you to understand. I find great comfort in this. I hope you do too. Just because your life is out of control does not mean that God is out of control. Just because you are desperate does not mean that God is desperate. Just because you are hitting the panic button doesn't mean that God is in a, 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 a tizzy trying to figure out what's wrong and what he can do. Maybe in the moment of silence, Jesus allowed her to cry and be desperate. And his silence was a silent reminder that in spite of your desperation, I'm still in control. I know it seems like your world is spiraling out of control right now, but I am still on the throne. I'm not worried. I'm not in a panic. I'm not running to Google trying to figure out how to solve your problems. I'm not surprised. I'm not running away. I'm not busy with somebody else. I know exactly where you are. I'm God. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan, and I am in total control. Sometimes seasons of seemingly ignoring you and silence from God can serve as a reminder that even though it feels like our world is falling apart, God is still on the throne. And God is still in control. And God knows exactly what he's doing. Maybe he's not ignoring you. Maybe he's not downplaying it. Maybe he's not lacking compassion. He's just looking at you and saying, trust me, I got this. I got this. 23, Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him. Jesus and his disciples are having a little side conversation. Here's what the disciples say, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. Peter's like, this is getting old, man. This woman won't stop yelling. She's an ugly crier, right? Snot and tears and everything. Like, get her away. I'm tired of her voice. You got to be kidding me. Can we bounce her? Like, we're the bouncers, Jesus. Can we get her out? Can we escort her out? And here's Jesus' response in verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Kind of Jesus is reminding us of his purpose and his mission. See, God sent Jesus to the world first to get God's people back to God, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. This woman was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. In fact, Jesus, or Scripture says that she was a Canaanite woman. Throw back to the Old Testament. Some of the biggest enemies of God's people were the Canaanites. They, they, they tried to kill God's people. They warred against God's people. So imagine this, this person that hates Jews, traditionally hates Jews, comes from a long line of Jewish haters, is talking to the king of the Jews, begging for help. And Jesus looks over at his disciples and says, doesn't she know kind of like why God sent me here? Doesn't she know where my, where my focus is? And the woman, an enemy of God, is, is pleading with Jesus, verse, verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. I love that persistence. <laughs> She's begging God for help, telling her her problems. Jesus and his disciples are having a hard conversation, like a private conversation. She's like, hey, still here. Hey, listen to her prayer. Lord, help me. You ever been in a time of desperation and realize you don't have time for flowery language? 
You don't have time to look up holy religious words. When you're in desperation, God, help. Help me. I don't have time to recite the prayers. I don't have time to think about these nice words about you. I'm desperate, God. Help. Help me. Scripture says she's on her knees now in front of God. I love that desperation and determination. She's not willing to take no for an answer. You must not have heard me the first time, so I'll ask again. I know your boys are over here talking about getting me out of the room, but I'm going to ask you again. Jesus, I know who you are. Help me. Help me. Maybe as a mom, you've prayed prayers for a season. Maybe that season is months. Maybe it's years. Same prayer over and over again. It feels like God's not answering. Incredible example here. Persistence. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep coming to God with those things. And so surely, I mean, come on, man. This is a mom. She's on her knees. She's crying. She's begging. Surely Jesus is compassionate and he's loving and he's going to say, you know what? This is, i got to help this woman. I, I can't say anything else. Come on, man. Come on. Even if you don't like her, we got to help her, right? It's the right thing to do. So here Jesus, surely he's going to come around. Here's what happens in verse 26. He replied, this is what he said to the woman. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> now I don't know what your mama would have done if somebody said that to her about me. But it wouldn't have been pretty. Like, I understand this, like, when, when, when she says this, I can see, like, if this were my mom, she'd be crying and sobbing and begging, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, why would I give the bread to the dogs? My mom would be like, what did you just say? I'm sorry, I did not hear, I thought you just called my child a dog. Is that what you just said? Like, I know I'm all stopped up and stuff, but I just want to make sure, did, did you just call my son a dog? How in the, would Jesus Like, those are fighting words right there. Hey, Jesus, you ain't in Jerusalem. You ain't in Kansas anymore, Toto. Like, you out, this is the hood. You out here where you get beat up for that. Those are fighting words right there. Call some of my kids a dog. Now, here's the context. Uh, A dog was a slang word for a Greek. This is what Greeks were called. They were called dogs. It wasn't necessarily a, a derogative term. It was just a very common in their language, a slang word that was used. But still, you, you look at a mom and, and you call her kid a dog, that's not going to end well right there. Side story, i got to tell you this. I wish my mom were here today because some of you are going to hear this story and you're not going to believe it. Um, so I wish I could bring my mom up here on stage and, and she could tell you the story. But let me, let me tell you, here's what I think I know what my mom would have done in that situation. Um, in high school, I played tennis. And um, so my mom would come to the tennis matches and watch us play. And um, I played tennis, but I also trash-talked a lot. I'm a big trash-talker. You normally don't find tennis and trash-talking in the same, but I found a way to, to get it um, together. And so I'd try to get in the head of my opponent and trash-talk him. So I was trash-talking this guy. I won. Some of my, my teammates were losing their singles match, so I would go over there and, and maybe uh, give some you know, feedback to the other guy when they were playing. And um, so I, I would do that, and, and so we ended up winning the match, and we're walking back out to the parking lot. And uh, it's my, my, my coach, me, my mom, and the rest of the team. And so we're walking, out to the, uh, we're walking out to the parking lot. We're walking along the chain link fence of the tennis courts over here. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, like I don't even hear this guy coming, this guy that, that I played on the team and beat 
pretty handedly, um, he comes up from behind me and pushes me, just like as hard as he can. He, he pushes me. Now I'm agile. I don't fall, right? I'm an athlete, was an athlete. And so, like, I don't fall. But it took me by surprise, and I turn around, and he says, why don't you say something to me now? That kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Didn't catch my mom off guard, though. Out of nowhere, my mom, little sweet, petite, southern woman, she came out of the, just runs by me. I am not lying to you. She grabs this 17-year-old by the shirt and pins him up against the fence. I didn't look, but I'm pretty sure he wet his pants right then, right then. And he had, I've never seen a 17-year-old scared. My mom yells at him. She said, hey, chill out. <laughs> My mom was a pastor's wife, so she didn't know any cuss words or anything. So, like, She's like, hey, chill out. And I'm like, my mom's getting ready to hit this kid. And what seems like an eternity, she pins this kid up against the fist. She lets the kid down. He does not say a word, turns around and walks back to where his team is. I'm in shock. My mom and the coach, we're all walking back. I'm still trying to process it. I turn around, I'm like, now say something. Say something now. <laughs> my mom was like, get in the car, shut your mouth, Nathan. It's like, yes, ma'am. I didn't want to get jacked up right there, too. I mean, she just did that. She could have done it to me, too. That's, I wish my mom was here. Some of y'all don't believe me. I'm telling you. I'm going to let you meet my mom sometime. Jack you up in the parking lot. You say something bad about the message. See what happens. Be your worst nightmare. Be your worst nightmare. That's probably how my mom would have responded if Jesus said, I'm not going to give the bread to the dogs. What did Jesus mean by it? Why did Jesus say that? It was, was that like, was he making fun of him? Was he saying, you calling her a doll? What, what's the purpose behind that? I believe at this moment, Jesus was trying to figure out what this woman was all about. Because here's the deal. When she came up to Jesus, she said, Lord, son of David. And I think Jesus said, let's see if you really think I'm Lord. Let's test your faith and see if you really believe what you say you believe. Because here's the reality. She worshiped Jesus before he said no, but then Jesus said no. You want to know if your relationship with God is real? You'll worship Jesus even after he says no. Even after he says wait. Even after he says not right now. It's easy to worship Jesus when he says yes. What's your relationship going to be with God when you're desperate and you're calling out and you're praying and you're crying and God says, no? You still going to stick with him? You still going to worship Jesus? Is, is it still going to be as solid? I believe Jesus was testing. You called me Lord, son of David. Let's see if you believe that. Let's see what your faith is, is really all about. And here's how the woman responded. Verse 26, she jacked him up. No, <laughs> chill out, Jesus. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Verse 27, here's what she says. Yes, Lord, I, I get it. I, I understand. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That, that's a really, really interesting perspective. I, I love, first of all, I love her perseverance. Jesus says no, and she doesn't storm off. She doesn't slap him. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't yell. She asks again. She makes another point. See, what, by bread, what Jesus meant is there are certain blessings and benefits of being a child of God. But she's already admitted, I'm not a child of God. 
And she looks at Jesus and she said, honestly, Jesus, I'm not asking for the bread. I'm not asking for the whole thing. Because I believe that just one single word from you could change my life. I believe one, one word, one act, one move of your hand, one crumb would be enough to heal my daughter. I'm not asking for the whole thing, Jesus. I believe just a little bit of you can change our entire life. I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for the bread, Jesus. Just, just a little bit. I know who you are, Jesus. And I believe that you have the power to do something in just a crumb, just a word, just a small thing from you can change my daughter's life. Then Jesus said to her, verse 28, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. See, Jesus knew what was going on. He had a plan the whole time. He tested her faith and she passed. He said no. She said, I still believe you're God. I still worship you. You're still Lord. And I believe that even just something small from you could change my world, could turn my world upside down and change my daughter's life. And Jesus said, I like that. Hey guys, you see that? You see this girl? Now that's a girl of great faith. That is a mom that has some serious faith. It's interesting, out of the thousands of people that Jesus encountered in the Gospels during his ministry, as outlined in Scripture, there are only three people that he says that they had great faith. Three different stories, and this was one of them. Out of all the words that could have been shared about this mom, he said, now this is a woman, not of emotion, not of passion, not of urgency, but this is a woman of great faith. I want you to see something here. God did not respond to her desperation. He responded to her faith. Not do you really want it. It's what is your faith in God? Are you willing to put your faith into actions? Not just say it, but move. Words into movement. That's what faith is. Jesus wanted to know, are you coming to me because you think I can do something for you? Because I, I can give you something? Because I can somehow make your life better? Or are you coming to me because you know who I am? That you know that I'm God, that I'm Lord, even when I say no, even when I say yes, even when I say maybe, even when I say nothing at all. Is that what you believe? Is that what your faith is all about? Are you going to worship me when I say no? Are you going to worship me when you don't understand? Are you going to worship me when you've cried out for years the same thing and it seems like there's no answer? Will you worship me then? Let's see what your faith is all about. And the woman proved it. He said, because of your faith, not because you asked, not because of your compassion, not because of your tears, because of your faith, your daughter is well. I'll give you what you asked for because you put your faith into action. The faith, listen, the faith of the mother changed the daughter's life. The daughter didn't do anything. The faith of the mom the prayers of the mom, the persistence of the mom, the actions of the mom changed her life. Moms, your prayers, your faith, your action, your persistence doesn't just affect you. It can change your family's life. Even if they don't ask, even if they're far from God, even if their situation is less than ideal in your eyes. 
Don't underestimate that. Moms, I know you go by many names. You're chef, you're dishwasher, you're chauffeur, you are kisser of boo-boos. You are clothes washer, you are teacher, you are domestic manager and diaper changer. You are the tear dryer. You are mom, you're mommy, you're ma. But Ali, I believe that the title that will serve you and your family the best is if people would walk away and say, this is a woman who put her faith into action. This is a woman who through persistence would not take no for an answer. This is a woman who went to God on behalf of her family. This is a woman and mother of great faith. May we be people of great faith and see how God uses that to change the world.